BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of Bush of Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. You can go to patreon.com today to support this show. I know. And you can actually sign up for the year for 15% off. You could do that right now. You get the whole year. BSBOT. You get... Uh, also our Discord, and a lot more. You get to support this show that you listen to that covers the Rangers all year round. Fun show today. We actually waited to the end of preseason game one for some reason uh, to give you the analysis on that. And also Shayna, number one insider, joins the, sh- the pod to talk about breaking the Neils news, camp uh, stories, and much more. So without further ado, let's get to Greg and I. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, we just watched the first preseason game. Say hello. Fuck the Braves. Fuck them. That makes sense. Are they winning? God, are, are, are they, they winning, winning, son? I, I I was watching the preseason game. I'm sorry. So was I. I was just <laughs> occasionally staring down at my phone. They won eight nothing. You know who Bryce Elder is? I do. He was a because uh, I'm a prospect nerd. So yes, I'm aware of this. Yeah, uh, complete game shutout tonight. Ooh, pretty good. Look at that. Those Braves. They keep did finding the, ways. You said the Rangers played. They did. <laughs> I, I know it's hard not to overreact to preseason hockey, but the Rangers beat the shit out of the Islanders. It's like yeah, just, that. That's because. Uh, the, I need the Rangers to go, like, what, what four regular season games against them? I assume, like, two more re- preseason games against them? They uh, only have three regular season games against them because the NHL is ridiculous this that year. That checks out. Either way, I need the Rangers to go 6-0 and against the Islanders this year because I'll never forgive the Islanders for having fucking Islander Day at City Field and the Mets got blown out. First of all, <laughs> I love that that's the reason why. Um, did you see that the Rangers were right out to like, theme nights this year? What? Yeah, so they said theme nights. So I went to check it out, thinking okay. theme theme nights would be awesome. But it's you know typical stuff you're you're used to. You know, military appreciation night, uh, first responders night. You remember? And, uh, and, you remember that stupid shit you used to do where every Ranger game day you would say what holiday, federal declared holiday it was. It was. Listen, we were figuring out the podcast. I remember it. It was stupid. <laughs> it uh, sure was, Ryan. But it, the, the, there's all the ones you remember. But on December sixth, Gregory, it's uh-huh. Finnish Heritage Night. <laughs> wonder who a, that could be for isn't that strange that's interesting yeah uh takeaways from the game i mean let's let's break it down keandre miller is him got that yep. got that ready to go seems uh, pretty good see, <laughs> uh pretty good as an understatement he looks like he was playing a different game our, our man colin uh from newsday 
was uh, rabidly tweeting about Keandre Miller's game in a way that was just uh, a, a man amongst boys is a way he put it, I would guess. But he's Keandre's just skating past people, and he looks way more uh, offensively capable. One preseason game, okay? One preseason game. <laughs> One preseason game One against preseason Matt game. Barzal and a bunch of AHLers. One preseason game, but... Country, he, was, he, was, he was making moves out there today uh-huh. in a big way. Uh, so that was exciting. Brendan Othman making his case to make the team. Turns out, uh, I, I think I'll be brave and say this. I think Othman could play in the AHL. He can't legally, but I think he could do it. I mean, he can legally. I don't, it's not illegal. <laughs> I guess it's against the rules. I just – or did you say AHL or NHL? Because I heard NHL. A-A-H-L. A. Yeah, do, I don't need to do it again, do I? No, you do not. No. People have heard it. Yeah, People it's just, it. again, if you enjoy the Memorial Cup, I hope you get hit by a car. <laughs> Allegedly. Okay. Uh, it's not, so not get sued. Totally. totally. Imagine I'm we not, got a letter. I'm that, not hitting them with my car. I'm hoping They'll hurt they my Honda Fit. That's I will right. damage them at all. No no free ads for Honda Fit, even though I also have one. It's a great car. <laughs> it really is. I we, really, it. we really should go to our people and be like, hey, we want to do ads for Honda. But only for fits, which, by the way, did you know they don't sell them in North America anymore? The fits? Yeah. This is devastating. I mean, it's devastating, but also get that money, baby. Because every every time I go back, they're like, yeah, no, we're interested in your fit because these don't get sold in North America. I was like, dope. How does $30,000 sound? And then they're like, too much. And I go, well, that's my price point. So I'll see you later. I'm driving my fit to the ground now. This is fit talk. Uh, It's super upsetting. That's like when I found that steakhouse closed in Montreal. Miserable. Uh, Moishas? Yes. I know. Lashana Tova, everybody, by the way. Happy yes. Rosh Hashanah. Happy For New sure. Year. It's fitting, by the way. The new Ranger season starts on the new year. Listen, this is the year. This is it. It's it's finally here. We've been waiting all our lives. Uh, 5783, going to be a special one. <laughs> it is. Uh, without further ado, let's break down the game even more so. Okay. Crafts off a little bit tonight. Just a little bit. Just forcing mean? it. Forcing the issue. Just seemed like, I don't want to, well, I'm just doing body language, Dr. Bill Simmons bullshit here. But looked like there was a one time where he was like, do I pass or shoot? A little bit confusing. Was a little indecisive on the ice. Think he needs that Panarin blanket, kind of making him feel safe. On top of that, he's probably just feeling a little nervous. First game over on North American ice in a long time. Uh, but other than that, like I, my takeaways from this game are, are limited. Lieber Hayek had one slap shot. Sweet. Did you know he led the team in time on ice? No. <laughs> you, if you if you would have said, Ryan, name me the top five right now, he, I would have not named him. The, I, I said this on Twitter, and I meant it. It's it's progress that Lieber Hayek was one of the team leaders in ice time, and I not for a second, Ryan, not one singletary second did I notice him on the ice. And when people hear that, they're going to be like, oh, why are you being so mean to Lieber Hayek? This is progress. The fact that I don't know when Hayek is out there is a huge step in the right direction. It's a compliment. It really is. Um, we didn't talk about camp really at all just yet. So any other takeaways from the game other than uh, the Islander AHL has got the hell beat out of them and uh, Miller looks just totally different? God, Jimmy Vesey I think is going to make this team. I, I really I, do. I hear you saying it um, because I want to. I don't want to believe you. I'm going to give some credit to Adam, Her- Adam Herman here. Um, mm. He tweeted out this tonight, and I know this will never no, I'm ever not, happen. I, I, Adam, whatever, respect him, would not respect him. Your choice for it. I, I 
we do this every time where someone brings up a good point where if Ryan Reeves wasn't on the roster, you could make a good case. But he's on the roster. At least let me read the tweet for the people at home. No, I don't think it's worth the time to discuss. You don't? Okay. There's a difference between hypotheticals and impossibilities. And you're talking about an impossibility. Fine. But so you think VC's making the team over Carpenter, you're thinking? I'm thinking he's making it over... It's either Carpenter or Rydell, right? I think it's going to be over Rydell. Boy. I That's think a, I just I he just you have to once again parse through the MSG propaganda a little bit, but it's also true. VC is a high they consider him an upside offensive player because they've seen him do it before in a Ranger jersey, and now he's added this penalty killing I would say capability to his game that makes him versatile in the eyes of Rangers brass. Whereas with Rydell they can I understand the, the, the salary cap implications of what you can and can't do with Rydell, but I, th- I think they're just going to be happy sending him to Hartford, letting him play every night, and letting him be maybe the first guy they call up if there's an injury. But I think VC, we talk about this a little bit with Shana later on in the podcast, how we NHL teams don't have enough Swiss Army knives that they could just plug into their lineup and have them play a bunch of different roles. I'm not saying Jimmy VC should ever see a second of ice time in the top six, but if someone comes out of the lineup and you put VC in, you do get a capability and flexibility that you don't have with other guys that you could have in that 13th forward spot. I guess you do. He did look good tonight. Uh, Not that I think, again, preseason, right? You don't want to take too much away. Got a goal. Great. Othman helped him with that one a little bit as well. Um, But, I, I just not impressed by Jimmy Vc. I don't know. I've seen it all. It's yeah, like, yeah I, it's not fun. It's been there, done that. It's like he's like the Travis Jankowski of the National Hockey League. You know what you're getting. It's it's not exciting. Would you rather have him? I guess so. Do, if you don't have him, do you feel bad? No. It's not I guess, like I know anything about Ryan Carpenter. His name's Ryan, though. I think that's pretty good. I, can, I do. Gonna... I don't know the the that final roster spot's weird because it really is going to be like. Am I saying? Jimmy VC can make this team. You essentially have to put him in over Hunt or Carpenter. One of them would not have to be here well, in order for VC to be here. I don't know if you saw, but Gerard Glant was asked who's had the most impressive camp for you so far, and he said Dryden Hunt. So well, he said a name you would put in there is Dryden Hunt. Fine. Thank you for clarifying. Also, how many times do we have to remember that Gerard Glant's a fucking liar? He's a liar. He's also pumping up his guy. He's trying to say, good job for, you know, doing whatever you do, Dryden Hunt. Second I don't liner. know. I, I, I can smell the VC makes this team out of camp move coming. And it, it, it is very MSG of them. Yes. It's extremely MSG. Talk they have, about how he's so happy to be back. You, you, do, you have to remember that MSG, as much as we love them, it is state media. They are, these are talking points that don't just miraculously appear. Oh, I mean, when they put Zach Jones on in the first intermission, it's like, okay. <laughs> Not really a camp battle, is it? Like, hey, wait a second. Why are we talking to Lieber Hayek? I don't understand. So, I, Zach, so Jones strange. Looked, Zach Jones looked good tonight, by the way. He did. He did. Othman, Jones, Miller, all look good. They all look good. Turns out Kreider and, and uh, Kreider and Mika were playing quite hard against these other, these other he, teams. You know who looked really good too, Ryan? Who's that? Papo Kako. Kako looked good. That he he hit he hit the uh, hit the crossbar, had but had some nice possession. Had an apple, pretty Is good. It, did anybody look bad tonight? No, the Islanders were butt. The Islanders were butt. Um, I was, 
I thought Kravtsov didn't look great. Just be honest. Oh, jeez. You're just being really critical of him. No, he's no, gonna, I like Kravtsov. You're, you're going to send him back to Siberia. I do. I do. like him. I like He's going to turn on his podcast. He's going to be like this Ryan No, people are, people are going to say that I hate him, but I think he's going to fit on the second line, and Panarin's going to make him a monster. I just I, didn't there, think was one, there was only one play where I was like, he looked a little tentative. It was um, the it wasn't shoot? quite a full two-on-one, but instead of taking a shot in the slot, yep. he tried to center ice pass at the heedle through a defender, and it, it just... If he did that in the regular season, you'd get a whole I hate when players aren't selfish rant from me, but I I get it. He's just no, he's trying to figure it out. I'm fine. Yeah, he I think I think he understands he needs to make a good impression and he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and he's trying to keep a lot of people happy. He doesn't want to f- come off as the super selfish guy right now, but I got to tell you, if you're going to play in a line, especially a line with Artemi Panarin, there's one trait you need to be, and it's fucking selfish. So it's – I'm willing to forgive it for one game. It is the first game of the preseason. It's against a really shitty Islander team, quite frankly. So it is what it is. The team looked really good. I'm not going to harp on Kravtsov, but that one play sure made me go like, hmm, rather you just take that shot on yourself there, big guy. 100% agree with you. Let's get to the camp battles, or lack thereof. Uh, some credits to Gerard Gallant. Some, just some credit and being that he's actually trying things. I, I, I thought once the Panarin uh, Kravtsov line was set in stone uh, via whatever it was the first three days of camp that it would never be broken up. But he is actually trying, you know, putting Kako back up in the top line with Mika and Kreider. He's going to put Lafreniere, I think, with Panarin and Trocek just to see what goes on there. Uh, he has the kid line as a backup he can fall back to. I think we end up opening the season with the lines we started camp with, but at least he's trying to find something else. It's not about finding chemistry in the preseason. We know where the chemistry lies. We all know it. We all know where it is. But really, it's just Trocek and Panarin getting used to each other, and then whoever's going to play on their right wing. Everything else can kind of be put into place. But at least Gallant is going out of the way for the first time in his Ranger career and trying to find or muster some new chemistry by putting Kako on the top line. Maybe Lafreniere goes there eventually in one of the last games, but they're trying new lineups, and I like that. At least give it a shot. I don't know if he's trying new lineups or he just understands he needs to separate his two groups and can't have essentially, you know, six in one, six in the other. Because think about it. If you wanted what, – what's the scenario in which – all right, if he wants Heedle specifically to play in the first game, but he doesn't want to play the entire kid line – well, you could only have think think of how the top nine's going to look. How many players in the top nine played tonight? Four. You had uh, Kreider, Zabenajad, Kako, and Heedle. That's and Kravtsov. Kravtsov. So it's five. five. Yeah. So then you had to do five and four, where the next four have to go tomorrow. And like you said, Trocheck and Panera were always going to be together. God damn but, it! This makes too much sense. Yeah, you weren't going to play. You weren't going to play an entire kid line together tonight because you need guys to be able to play But at least he's getting information about what he can possibly do or like I know, but that's nice and all, but I'll believe it when I see it. This is a big, big criticism we had of Gallant last year, and and Shayna talks about this later on in the show, where he found stuff he liked, and then he was like, well, I like it. That's it. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything else. This I like. He, He tried chocolate ice cream. He liked chocolate ice cream. He didn't want to try any other flavors of ice cream. And if if he wants to dip his spoon in other pints as the season goes along, I will give him the credit to do it. I'm not going to give him the credit in a preseason game in which 
you expect a coach to have to play guys with other guys he doesn't totally want to play with. It's like first day of spring training, Ryan, the Mets don't run out their entire nine starting lineup. Totally fair. I get that. I just think it's it's nice to at least try things. Your counter argument makes too much sense, and I hate it mm-hmm. because it, it actually takes away the credit I was giving to Gerard Glenn <laughs> entirely, and probably rightfully so. But at least you do get information to see, all right, does this work at all? Because Lafreniere, I, I do want to see Lafreniere play with Panarin. It's probably, I, I don't know how many other times it's going to happen this season. I actually don't think it's going to happen at all. Maybe after the preseason. I, maybe like once or twice, but that never again. That's it. I, I, I think Panarin gets what Panarin wants. That's, that's how it goes with him. And it's going to be crap stuff. Uh, well, we'll we'll see. I'm curious. We'll know how the lines. We have a pretty good sense of what the lines will look like tomorrow because it's going to be the same game group um, type of scenario from the scrimmage a day or two ago. So we know that Panarin's going to be playing online with Trocheck and Lafreniere, and we know that for the most part, Fox will be with Lindgren, right, and all that. I think the most important to me, the most important pairing. Or a line we saw tonight that looked really good was Jones Schneider. They looked fantastic. And while Hayek got a lot of run and all that, it felt empty calorie to me. And I'm not just saying that because I have a, you know, bias to how I want to see that battle go. But Jones Schneider looked good. I think it's, it's hard. You don't want to read in too much to what Gallant is doing in these preseason games. I get that. They're all preseason. Crumple them up, throw them out as soon as they happen. But I do think when you don't have your full roster of power play one players and Jones is out there over Keandre or Truba, like I think it's it's really important to note that he didn't bother putting Keandre or Truba on that top power play unit tonight because he knows there is no situation in which that would happen because they would they probably just stay on power play too. But I do think it's notable that he's like, all right, if Adam Fox is not here, who is a defenseman that can create some offense for me on the man advantage? And it Zach Jones. Not Niels Lundqvist, so it is Zach Jones. Exactly. But I think that is a glimpse into what Gallant is thinking in terms of what the regular season will look like. Giving Zach Jones that assignment – Instead of a Keandre Miller or a Jacob Truba, I think that, that, to me, it does carry some weight. It does signal that there is a leaning in how he's looking. And it's not just that Hayek was playing with Walensky. It's not that just Jones was playing with Schneider. It's the situations in which these guys were getting. And it, I, I get it. I, no one listening to this is like, you're, you know, I'm not we're hoping not. Zach Jones isn't going to be the bottom six guy. I get that. But it's just being able to see how he's being utilized in these games and the trust he's being given, even in these games that don't have any meaning or significance, it does mean something in my eyes. So I think it's clearly Jones's battle to lose, and I think tonight was a great first step for him. A great first step. And they play again 24 hours later. I don't know if Jones is going to see the ice again, but I guess he should. No, No, he's not playing tomorrow. No, it's specifically, this was group one, group two's going tomorrow. So it's Fox Lindgren, um, and I think the defensive, like Robertson's Robertson, playing tomorrow. Yeah. I don't I don't fully know everybody else. I think like Brandon Scanlon is in the lineup for tomorrow. Sure, Skinner, anybody, sure. Anybody who played tonight is not playing tomorrow. Like Halak is going to start in goal. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Eagle looked good. Surprise. Um, Shock, even. You want to get to some five-star questions or anything else you want to talk about with camp so far? No, uh, I, I think I think nobody got hurt tonight. That's good. I don't think anybody looks bad. If Kravtsov being a little too passive is my big takeaway from a first game. Everything was good. Everything was good. Everything was good. I can't believe how – I just kept thinking. I know you tweeted this and everyone else did too at the same time. But the when Keandre was just skating through everybody, I was like, average skater – Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I will also – and the best is uh, the the booth, Kenny Albert was like – or Joe McLeary was like, yeah. you know, Larry Larry Robinson, not quite the skater Keandre Miller was. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Corey Prodman had Larry Robinson, Hall of Fame defenseman, probably one of like the ten best ever to do it as a, a, a below average skater. I will say – look, I don't want to beat a dead horse with it. No, it's just funny. It's but, just, no, no, oh, I'm not even talking about Prodman. I've moved on from oh. that. Yeah, the most interesting man in the world who – God, I, I, I'm watching a lot of um, what we do in the shadows now, the TV show, and uh, Pronman reminds me a lot of Colin Robinson, like the energy sucking vampire. It is a little bit like that. Yeah, he's anyway. been on, he's been on the show, so never again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we have plenty of prospect people. Speaking of prospect people, fuck these rules that prohibit Brennan Othman from playing in the AHL. Ryan, he he's an NHLer now. He really is. He's an NHLer. He it's just it. he. I hate that. It, that cross-ice pass to Keandre was beautiful. He played really well. He did everything you would want him to do. He fucking bled. He, like, he checked every box, Ryan. I get, again, preseason game. I've seen Ronnie Mauricio go two for two in spring training games for the Mets. So I, I know how to temper my hopes and dreams and expectations. But it's just, it's hard to watch that game and come away with thinking that, like, there's a very good chance this guy's going to go play against 17-year-olds. What the fuck? He's going to score 60. It's a waste of time. It is. And it's just, I hate, I just hate that we have to make these just ridiculous, no middle ground decisions where I'm either asking him to possibly do too much or I'm asking him to do absolutely nothing. And like, I would just love, absolutely love it. If for the first two months of the season, October, and November, he could just go to Hartford, get his feet under him. Get used to playing a more up-tempo, physical style of hockey. And if he crushes, great. I have a wonderful problem on my hand where I now need to figure out how to get Brennan Othman, this dynamic, high-octane scorer, in my lineup on a nightly basis for the New York Rangers. That's a great problem to have. But I fucking despise that I either have to make this decision based on the fucking preseason and potentially punish a guy like Kako or Kravtsov at the expense of making sure my super top prospect is just actually developing this year. I know. It's ridiculous. You don't have to do the whole thing again. It's insane. It's just it's it's more frustrating right now because it's fun talking about Othman in hypotheticals and what ifs. But you see what he does tonight and I like it and I don't know if it's NHL ready, but I know he's not going to get challenged at the junior level like he needs to be challenged. And that's what drives no, me he'll, insane. No, he'll score 60 and it'll hurt his development. But it, it just, it, it's not going to hurt. It's just not going to develop. He's going to be bored. Can we send him to Europe? Like, I've always thought this. If you're, say you're a, a top end, maybe not, maybe not a top end, but like a end of the first round MLB draft pick, what stops you from just going to Japan instead of being like the minor league system? I think some NBA players have done that. Usually the NBA is 
is the forefront of this, where they would go to the G League instead of going to college just to make money. But just like, going for it. Say, so in, M- in Major League Baseball, most players need two to three years anyway. Why wouldn't you just go to Japan, which we agree is like probably triple A level, and just play there for three years, get a better paycheck than you'd sometimes, get? Sometimes it's just lifestyle, you know, culture. I don't. They don't. You. They don't want to move family, friends, normal. They'd rather shit. play in what? Sacramento. I don't know. I'm not talking. <laughs> to, I, I don't know. Brad Lothman, I get it. He should fucking be here. He's not going to be. It sucks. Um. Let's do some five star questions before we get to Shana, shall we? Yeah. I, I skipped this question last week. I said I'd come back to it, and I didn't. Kabanajad asks, how, many, how much of a problem with European prospects do you guys think it has to do with the kids being professionals for years before coming to the Rangers and correctly expecting to be treated like professionals immediately? I think uh, the Rangers do a pretty good job at treating people like professionals, but they also have a little bit of the earn it. Like, you have to earn it. Well, I don't think that's just the Rangers. I think that's... And that's a lot of hockey. I think... And, and the real world, too. I, I've been super critical of the Rangers. And I don't want to all of a sudden be the guy that gives them a break. But what if there's a chance that this is all just an extreme, incredible coincidence? Where Leas Anderson grew up in a hockey family. The Rangers took him before they made other moves where maybe they brought in guys they just simply liked more. And then Leas got lapped and Leas didn't like it. And then with Kravtsov, it's clear that he just felt like he graduated Hartford, didn't want to go back, knew that he had an out because of everything he's done in Russia before, and he played that card. And then Lundqvist just smartly said, you don't have room for me. Why would I hang around? The Niels one, does, it makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not really, that one doesn't, there's no mystery. It's all there. I think it, there's at least a chance that it's a magnificent coincidence. I just, because it's not like these are the only European prospects. Like, Igor Shostarkin's a European prospect. He is? He seemed to do fine. It took his Alex- time to get over here? Alexander Georgiev's a European prospect. He seemed to do fine. He, Philip Hedl is as well. Uh, Philip Hedl, Lieber Hayek is a European prospect. He, he, he's getting every fucking opportunity he's ever he's been get, given. He's making more money this year than you'll make in your life. <laughs> I don't know about that. I might, I no, might yeah, get you're there. Right. You're right. I I just, I just, it's just funny that he's fucking sitting around. Yeah, I mean, he's making $800,000 to just be a guy. I'd love to make $800,000 to just be a guy. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right. Uh, this from Holmes. Is Chris Drury elite? I will say this. Uh, everything after Chris Drury traded for Booch, signed Barkley Goodrow, and signed Nemeth has been very good. I would not say elite. I think Holmes likes the smell of his own farts. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes he makes some good points. I like my own farts as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, this is from Brentley. Who has better vibes and is more fun to root for, the current iteration of the Rangers or the last cup run team, 2012 to 15? Players only, no AV Gallant considerations here. I don't know. That's really hard. That's hard. Because it seems like this team is more fun, but you know this what? Team this team to me is more fun, but it's also more recent. I'm in it right now. Yeah, but, and, but also as fun as this team is. You know what the last team had, Ryan? Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist. Yes, it did. Everything else, like, if, if Hank's not on that team, it's this team. It's not close. Yeah, but like the only that, reason... That team, like, 
guys weren't sleeping with each other like they are on this team, which makes this, this team, team more fun. The bromance level is ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. Like, if I had a feeling that Matt Zuccarello and Derek Broussard were, like, sharing a bed, I, I, it's just so – you're – this question has to make me choose between this really fun team and Henrik Lundqvist. And I got to tell you, Ryan, I'm not doing it. This is from Cal. I don't play NHL because it's never come to PC and I always get shit for this. But Cal asks, does, does Kako deserve the ninth strongest slap shot power rating in NHL 23? It's literally his actual rating this year. Uh, I mean, they all watch that video. <laughs> I'm taking a slap shot. That's all it was. I can't. I don't know the next time I'm ever going to play a hockey video game. I think I'm done with them. Uh, I, I'm done I with a lot of games. Like FIFA, I know that they're giving the rights to some someone else. Thank God. Not really. It's it's like they're just renaming. But it. like I didn't even get OTP this year. I know. I've just played less games. I've just been too busy. It's it sucks. I just like Civ Six is my comfort food, and I just play that. That's it. I just play Slay the Spire. It's like all I play. Yeah, um, you and everybody else, man. I don't understand that. I'm I'm the reason they all do that. I'm yeah. the problem. Good. I started this. God, I I needed another reason to hate you. Perfect. Uh, this is from David. What does it say about the season vibes? Is Gallant's first official statement turned out to be a lie? Context was he said everyone is healthy and ready, and it came 20 minutes later that Goodrow won't scrimmage because of injury. <laughs> Not just that, but he's like, I think Sammy Blay is going to play with Kreider and Zibanejad. I got, I got news for you, Ryan. You, you did not. Play tonight. You did not. You did not. So I, we, we do this every time. What does Blade? it say about the vibes, David? It's status quo, my dude. Yeah. David, uh, uh, Gallant says something, and we go, we all react to it. We all get angry, and then we forget that he's just a fucking liar. From TSE1231, who's a Bournemouth fan who just got purchased by the, the Golden Knights, by the way. Uh, if you had a, you have to appoint the next NYR coach from outside the sport, Ted Lasso style, who would you pick and why? So I, I can't pick your I thought Klopp. about this really okay. hard. Okay. So there's a coach from – it's easy to go old white guy because I think old white guy fits in really well. So I'd like, like to see Mike Tomlin. But like Greg Popovich, <laughs> Greg Popovich would crush as an NHL coach. Bill Bel- would fucking Belichick would crush as an NHL coach. So like those guys, those guys are the easy ones. So I tried to go a little a little next level. I try to think of the sport that's at least closest to hockey in style. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest Soccer. with you, Ryan. Jurgen Klopp would be certainly interesting. On That's, what That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to Oh, bro, I would die. <laughs> uh, I, I, also, I also think it would be interesting to get, like, a young NFL coach. Like, not, not Brandon Staley. That's, like, that's too like, aggressive. Like Sean McVay. But Sean McVay would yeah. be super interesting as an NHL coach. That's a good one. What do you think about Roger Federer coming in? No, uh, feds, feds wouldn't be able to handle. Um, Serena would be interesting. Ooh, Serena's good. You think she'd get, she wouldn't take anybody's shit. No, Kravtsov would be like, "Hey, I want to go back to Russia." She'd be like, "Good, <laughs> get fuck the you. fuck out." <laughs> I feel, you know what's? I, you know, I mean, it, it, I was watching the trailer for the Redeem Team documentary coming up. Like, which Kobe, by the way, Kobe would have been an amazing NHL coach. Kobe would have been amazing at everything. It makes me, uh, you know, I get upset about the whole Kobe thing. But he's just such a—he was such a good media personality that he was going to be incredible for years to come at that. And then obviously, I'm going to run through Paul's fucking chest. Oh, man. All right. Uh, this is from Tom Rich Jr. Outside of Hayek making the roster and being somewhat a regular roster player, what are you most afraid of with the 22-23 Rangers? So the answer is injury, clearly. Um, but I think it might be something else, right? Is uh, uh, Injury is number one. It's, it would, it's, I'd be frustrated, I think is the right word, if come opening night Sammy play is the top line winger. It just, it to yes. me would feel like 
Yes. Either something went wrong in preseason or Gallant's too stubborn to try something else. I think that's I think that's kind of where I end up. I I will say I want second power play to have some semblance of anything. I don't and, I don't and, I think Keandre Miller to have some time on that. I just that's don't it. I don't. I you can't give me a reason no, why it's a good, good idea to have Panarin, Fox, Mika, and Kreider off the ice when you're up a man. Like you just even if even if you're like, well, just to keep him fresh for the rest of the game, you exude less energy on the power play than you do in any other time on the ice. If anything, we've had this discussion before about like that is a reason why I would take Mika off penalty killing duties, and I'd rather just let him. I just you, you can't. As much as I love Keandre, and as much as I want Heedle, and like imagine the kid line in Keandre is your second power play unit. That sounds really tasty in theory. Right, but, but the top just, line is so good. You just can't provide me a reason that's like these four players plus someone else is better than Kreider, Fox, Mika, and Panarin. You just it's not gonna it's not gonna get there for me, Ryan. It's from Filthy Horvath, final question. Could slash should we read more into Kako in group one and Lafreniere in group two? That is to say Panarin really does not want to play with Kako, does he? Yeah, I think you could read into it if you want. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've been saying it for a year now, so well, I mean, Carp has been saying it longer, and you've just been echoing it. To be fair, I I, I took it more from Adam, etc. To be honest with you, so uh, well, I'll give him credit. There's 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 two people that see things and say things. I read more into it, no, because quite like I'm fine if Kako isn't that guy on that line. That's cool. I think it works stylistically, but if someone else is going to make. Panarin, one of your most important players, more comfortable than who am I to say? It's just the thing that makes it frustrating to me is it seems pretty clear that Kako isn't a guy that fits naturally with Kreider and Zibanejad, but they looked good tonight. But I, the Islanders sucked, so I, it's like I don't know. It's it's difficult. I Lafreniere just fits so perfectly on both those lines that it's hard for me to sit here and be like, I wish it was Kako. It's just like. Kako being a third-line winger isn't an indictment on him. It really says more about the six players, or four players more specifically, playing above him. The New York Rangers have a shitload of good wingers. We've done this before. We're like, your three best wingers, however you want to cut it, is Kreider, Panarin, and then only one of Lafreniere and Kako. Like, that's a good problem to have, that your fourth and fifth best winger are going to be Kapo Kako and Vitaly Kravtsov. That's really good. That's a great problem. Not bad. Kravtsov and Kako on any other team are not the number four, number five winger. Like, imagine them on the Islanders, a team we just saw tonight. Number two. Yeah. Number two. Yeah. All right, Greg, let's get to Shana. We'll transition over there now. Transition. Oh, it's recording. Nice. Shana. We are back with our first guest. I don't know if you know this, but Shana is the world's best hockey insider out there. Shana Goldman. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for pumping my tires. The world's best hockey insider in, I don't know what economy, but thank you. So let me just make this clear. Did you break the Niels news or no? I did. Okay. Uh, is there any other news you've broken in the past year? Yes. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and the, like, I'm the least prepared person to do this. Like when that happened the other day, I'm sitting there like having dinner. <laughs> Spent all this time cooking and the entire time I'm on my phone. And usually like, my boyfriend just, like, walked away from the table after, like, a half hour. He was kind of like, I'm just going to go play video games. He, like, finished dinner and left and was like, you kind of can sit there for an hour doing your thing. So well, I'm not prepared, but it's fine. You are prepared. And 
Uh, you ruined our show last week. Thank you. We were You're in the middle welcome. of doing a wonderful uh, interview with Julie Stewart Banks, and then all of a sudden, you you put Niels to Dallas. Uh, what was your instant reaction? Was it is this a good deal for the Rangers? Because Greg and I, I think we're um, Greg and I are on different planes right now. He's in the Mets land. I'm in Ranger <laughs> land somehow. Now hold on, hold on. <laughs> While I'm in Met land, first of all, uh, root of Ryan Shana Shanatova. First of all, second, uh, I have take. We just disagree on. We agree on the outcome. I think Shayna agrees with me on the road travel to get to the outcome is not a clear win for the New York Rangers. Right. It's funny. I talked to both of you separately at the same time about this the other night. Um, but, I, yeah, it, it's tough. I, I think that if you look at the big picture, it's not the best look for the Rangers. It's another prospect who wants out. You know, here they're, they were collecting draft picks and they don't have that much to show for it. Whether it's on the ice, the players who are actually in the lineup versus, you know, the players who are never even getting to that point or barely getting to that point. So it's not the best look. But given the situation, given the fact that they didn't have leverage, there was a trade request. It was there for a very long time. It took a while for it to even, you know, get talked about. And now there's a timer on it. The Rangers could have moved him much sooner. They didn't, you know. Uh, whether they thought it would resolve itself or they were waiting for a better deal, whatever the case. The fact that they waited this long and there was that timer of training camp and they still managed to get a first rounder out of it is a win for them. Whether they use that pick and find themselves in the same situation in three years from now or trade that pick at the deadline because they did move picks last time to bolster their lineup, which they needed. Shana, I, I, I know we've talked about it on the pod. We've talked about it off the pod. We've talked about it publicly on Twitter. We've talked about it in each other's DMs. A part of the frustration for this entire outcome is that it really does seem like a Lundqvist-Schneider pairing is kind of exactly what Gerard Gallant wants from his defensive pairings, where one guy is this old-school, through-and-through, big-body defenseman, and the other guy gets to be more creative than his partner. So isn't part of the frustration that, like, the, whether it's not entirely on the Rangers' fault, it's not entirely on Neal's fault, but there was this situation here where the Rangers had possibly three great defensive pairings and it all just blew up in their face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of coaches like that. You know, some coaches prioritize handedness, some prioritize balance and complementary skill, uh, skill sets. It's, it's really the preference of every single coach. Um, and it seems like that's the preference here specifically. You have Fox, Lindgren, you know, there's your dimension on one side and your defensive on the other. And Truba has become more of that defensive defenseman, even though he, you know, years past in Winnipeg showed the offensive upside. We know him as more of a defensive defenseman. And Keandre Miller, we know, has that offensive potential that he was really starting to, you know, find last year. So that third pair, Schneider, needs that offensive partner he obviously didn't have that in Nemeth and then you think here's a young option for it to click sure I think for Lundqvist you know I I don't know the reasons why he requested the trade and I'm sure eventually we'll find that out um but from you know his perspective if he looked at it and said where is my future here I understand that because Truba has the contract Fox has the contract and he might be thinking I want a better opportunity than this and I don't fault anybody for that but it is interesting he didn't get the opportunity sooner to at least see you could have been very good on the third pair and in this situation and that was very minimal this year very minimal I, listen go get that bag Niels. I, I he's going to be a great player for dallas i'm not really 
I think he'll, I don't know if he'll be a great player, but he will he will provide value for Dallas. Dallas got the best asset in the trade, right? No doubt about it. That's just there's no question. But it's a more of a known commodity. Great. But the Rangers got back a first round pick, which is not nothing. That's more value than they were ever going to get for Niels at the trade deadline. If they waited the whole year, so to get him at this point in time, when Niels, I'm sure he requested the trade back in January. We talked about it back then. I think Greg and I came on this podcast and said Niels has played the last game for the New York Rangers, and he did. And then all of a sudden, to still get a first-round pick, like that's just a giant W for Drury. It's huge. It's a gigantic dub, and he gets a. It could be unprotected in 2024. That's good. That's quite good. And we don't know how good the Dallas Stars are going to be if it's top ten protected or not. Like it seems like they're still going to be a pretty good team despite their their large contracts not performing. So I'm not. They have a great goalie. They have Robertson. They have a lot going on. So I don't expect them to be bottom dwellers. But nonetheless, Drury to get that when Niels is requesting out because he's not going to be able to run that power play, of which I think we can all sit here and agree today, Niels' best strength coming in, and none of us are really prospect people, but everything you ever heard about him was he's dangerous on the power play. And he was never, ever, ever going to get that chance here. He saw that, he asked out, and the Rangers got a first. To me, that's a big W for both sides. Like, I don't understand how people don't see that as, like, a huge win when that guy was asking out and having a better a better fit for his hockey career anyway. Yeah, but it's a win in a game created by Drury. Like, the game didn't need to happen the way that it happened. And, again, just go back. This was a conversation, not to jump in front of Shane here, this was a conversation we were having last summer. Not this summer, last summer, when Niels's value was through the roof. And if I told you that summer that Lundquist was going to get traded for a top 10 protected first round pick you'd be like what why that's it what's going on yeah no i agree with that i was nodding my head too as you were like talking because i I do completely agree with it like if i think that it it's not because he requested out either like in a vacuum it's because of the entire picture with their prospects that makes this look worse and it is bad it's it's bad for a ton of reasons and if players like i don't know crafts off don't thrive this year Kako, like it's going to look even worse if Kravtsov doesn't last with the Rangers for any reason and they don't get a super good return for him a younger return it can't just be a veteran that helps one playoff push like it's going to keep looking worse you can hang your hat on the wins the wins are Shesterkin the wins are Adam Fox the wins are Keandre Miller absolutely and I'm sure Lafreniere is going to be up in that conversation as well the fact that players don't want to be here on a team that did just rebuild and did spend all this time putting together future assets and moving players out to get the picks and things like that. Like, it is a bad look. And if, you know, and everything that we've heard with the Kraftsoft situation, I think, makes it look worse, even though things seem pretty good right now. Like, we all read what was going on last year, you know, so that's that's the problem. It's the whole picture that makes it look worse. But when you, you know, focus in on just this one situation of a player asking out, you know, the Rangers not having leverage and getting the return, you're like, okay, sure. I I know you're both on the same side here, but I'm not going to defend the Rangers for their development of players. I mean, I can't. How could I? You could tear me down. Leah Anderson is a miserable situation. Not that Leah became anything great in, in L.A. Who knows? Uh, and there's been a lot of players that have asked out or have had problems in the past. But with the situation, to get a first-round pick, to get in another pick on top of that, for Niels Lundqvist, who is asking out, like I, I see that as a Drury W. I know, Greg, you said like he created the situation because he had the chance to trade him last year. Drury was still getting his feet wet. He was a, like 
I think he learned a lot from that Buchnevich trade. I think he got a lot of feedback and he learned a lot. I know we talked about the Jack Eichel part of that last week as well. But after that, Drury has really figured out a way to get the maximum value out of his assets that are depreciating. And and with Niels getting traded for a first-round pick and another pick, when, again, they recouped, they recouped some assets because they had to get off of Drury's mistakes in the past. He did create the situation. But now he's taken the situation, which was bad, and there's still some other bad moves he's made in terms of contracts like Goodrow. I, I, again, love Goodrow the player. Six years is crazy. Uh, but to to get out of that, and he might have to do it again with Goodrow in the future, he gets out of Nemeth. Fine. The price is a little high. But he gets to recruit these assets of the mistakes he made. And then since then, to be honest, all the, all the trades have been quite good. And this is just another one of those. Yeah, I, to me, it, 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 when I think of MSG as an umbrella, it's like Leon Rose has done a couple of good things as well but more times than not he has to use assets he's gathered to then move other assets that he's brought in and Drury's kind of the same but either way we're just going to talk in circles through this so Shane I want to ask you a completely different question Um, we're doing we're recording this part of the podcast before the Ranger game tonight but we've been able to gather enough information through practices and scrimmages so far do you have any big takeaways thus far through the first week of Ranger camp um, well, I think, I think Panarin might've become one of the more interesting players to watch, which might sound a little bit funny when you're like, well, he's one of the Rangers best players. He's an elite player. Why are we even talking about him? Um, last year before the trade deadline, his game at five on five was not at the capacity it should be. And maybe that sounds like I'm being nitpicky because he was still collecting points, which he totally was, but there's a sustainability factor to not performing below the surface. And there's also some play driving concerns when you talk about players getting into their thirties. If that starts to slip, is that a trend? Is that a one-off? You know, what's what's going on there? And for the Rangers specifically, you had, you know, systematic changes and some roster changes. So there wasn't the strength on his line. And you wonder how the system was clicking with Panarin or how it wasn't. But I, I find it super interesting because we're going to see him in New York without Ryan Strom. So it, it's a different way to see how much of the impact was Panarin versus Strom because they had complimentary games without a doubt and you know Panarin was the driver of it but I am kind of curious to see how it clicks with Trocek and you know that combination was going with Kravtsov and I find that super intriguing because he's someone I feel like they're very split opinions on you either see people saying he's going to be a part of the top nine and going to be this great contributor or people who have absolutely zero doubt in his game at this point and I think you know either opinion it, it is what it is, whatever you have. Most people probably have, like, a reason for it, and it could make sense either way. But, you know, the fact that the three of them were kind of clicking, I, I find super intriguing because the Rangers' top line hasn't always been the greatest top line below the surface. You know, it's like a 1A, 1B situation, and it's kind of curious to me if they can jump out as that bonafide top line or if it's going to be more of the same of a 1A, 1B. And if, you know, Panarin's play driving is back to the level that we expect it to be, like where his game can go and how that will help whoever plays the right wing. So I just find that interesting too. Like if it's three very offensive players together, instead of we look at last year, you know, you have the offensive, the one who is offensive, but the coaches like him for his defense, even though his defense wasn't great, plus the defensive third cog of it. So that's where my head kind of goes. He has to see Kraftstoff as a way to elevate his game to the next level. I mean, no, again, I tweeted this. No offense to Dryden Hunt or Colin Blackwell. None, zero zilch. But the the ceiling of Kraftstoff and the ability to, um, they share a language, which does matter. 
because uh, I don't know if you know this, but Artemi Perrin does not speak English. He's said this many <laughs> times. Uh, but they, he's kept him on the ice late. He's paid a lot of attention to him. And I, Artemi Panarin gets what he wants. And that's why when Gerard Gallant is going to switch these lines up over the next couple of days, he's going to put Lafreniere on that line. And I do think uh, we'll commend him for trying that, and we'll probably talk about that in the Open a little more, or we already did, rather, extensively. But I, I always think it's going to go back to Kravtsov because that's the guy that Artemi Panarin sees as the as the solution, just like he saw Dryden Hunt as a solution, just as he saw Colin Blackwell as a solution, and that was the guy he wanted stapled to the right wing. He needs a guy he gets he's comfortable with. He doesn't have that in Ryan Strom anymore. He's going to have to find that comfortableness with, with Trocek, and if he can elevate Kraftstoff to play in the dirty areas like he needs him to, uh, Kraftstoff's going to score a lot of points this year with easy tap-ins because Artem Panarin finds lane, lanes that no one else does, and he's going to continue to do that. So I do agree with you that he's... Uh, it is like worrisome some of the trends you saw last year, but I also think it's Reinstrom uh, couldn't skate towards the end. Of, towards the couldn't move, needed surgery. Yeah, towards the not end of, great there. Not yeah, great. Uh, turns out when you just double team Panarin, knowing he can't pass to Reinstrom, uh, takes away a lot of his game. Shana, who knew? Uh, but that I, I do think this is quote unquote going to be a big year for Panarin, even though every year is a big year for Panarin. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, like, but you need it to be if you're the Rangers and he is your elite winger who your offense runs through. Like, at the end of the day, Zibanejad's great. He's, you know, the top top line center, but he's a two-way player. It's like, it's how you think of him. And Kreider, you think of as the goal scorer. But there's a difference between this first line winger, Kreider, and elite winger, Artemi Panarin. Like, there's a different level between the two of them. And that's all well and good, and you need both to have a good hockey team. But it's interesting to see maybe having that offense on each side of the wing is going to be what you need to keep Panarin's play driving up like that. It's just an experiment that I think is really interesting to see because I always like to see what makes, you know, a good player tick and how much it's them driving the line versus the contribution around them and how you can get past kind of like, like we were talking about earlier, the offense and the defense needed to balance out a defensive pair. Do you need that on this kind of a line or can you just let them thrive offensively? Shannon, one of the big talking points, at least on Ranger Twitter, the first week was whether it was good business or bad business to keep the kid line together to start the season. Now, obviously, we're going into the first preseason game with Kako playing with Kreider and Zibanejad, and it looks like Lafreniere is going to play first with uh, Trocek and Panarin. But is it a bad thing necessarily in your eyes if the kid line stays together, or do you see the Kako on top, Laf at number two, the more, if not logical, more upside scenarios. I don't think it's a bad idea to have that as an option in their back pocket, a combination they know that works. Because we did see it in the playoffs, it worked, without a doubt. Um, More usage would have been good, you know, maybe starting them in the offensive zone a little bit would have been good. But it's a combination that clicks, sure. The Rangers' biggest problem last year was that they found combinations that clicked and left them alone, and that was it. That was it for the year. If three players work together, that's who's playing together. So if they're mixing it up now, I think that's an even better thing. To see Lafreniere get a shot on the right is a good thing. Um, Just to add the versatility to his game. What if there's an injury? What if, you know, he's playing better than somebody else? What if he's the skill set a line combination needs? To have an extra player who can shift from left to right is a good thing. Um... To give Kako a chance on that top line is a good thing. They had some experience together before. So I think it's fine to test out the same combinations as long as they're testing out new ones as well because the biggest strength the team can have is like a versatile forward group. 
you know, a biggest strength that team's offense can have is versatility, in my opinion. You look at the Florida Panthers of last year, and you could have looked at, I think there were like six players in the top nine that could have played center, that you could have just started changing up your line combinations, having all these different options in case something got stale or someone was hurt. And that was, you know, something that worked in St. Louis as well. The Rangers didn't have that, and that's what burned them a lot of the time in the playoffs. So um, knowing the kid line works, that's fine. A third line is still useful. I feel like everyone uses it like, oh, they're on the third line. It's such an insult. And sometimes it is. But like a third line still useful if they're going to get meaningful minutes. And regardless of who's on the fourth line, that third line should be getting meaningful minutes because the fourth line's personnel can't compare. But it's a good thing to split them up and see what everyone can do and really figure out who fits where best. Yeah, I do think people sometimes forget when the Penguins are at their, their highest power. Phil Kessel was on a third line by himself. The only difference was the Penguins were rolling the top three lines, so it wasn't like Phil Kessel wasn't getting minutes that Crosby and Malkin were getting. And I think I love a I love having an idea where the Rangers have three great lines. If you give them equal minutes at five on five, that's all I want. I, I'm gonna I'm not to cut you off, sorry, but like I don't think it should be equal minutes. I think that there's still a distribution to be had between if the Rangers are at 1A and a 1B, it's a little bit different, but a distribution between that top six and the third line, I think the Predators under Peter Laviolette are a really good example of that because their top line in that last season was getting, you know, less or the same as their third line. And there's a different caliber of players. Even if the Rangers have the kid line tomorrow, the caliber is not top six material, which is fine, but it's giving them minutes that are still meaningful that aren't what the fourth line's getting, you know, giving them 14, 15 minutes, even if they don't get 17 and 18, that's okay. But actual playing time, not seven or eight. Yeah. And those, those numbers are going to be suppressed too, because none of them really play on the power play. I mean, they'll play on power play too for 23 seconds and that'll be it. But, uh, you're going to have to wait for those opportunities. Maybe, maybe Kako will play PK this year. That might be the case. I know Lafreniere is going to try that as well. I don't know if that, that's going to work or not. We're going to find out. But I agree with you. They, they need to get that, that playing time, that situation where it's like the real 5v5, like late in games. Wouldn't it be fun to throw the kid line out with four minutes if you're up? Like a little confidence boost, especially if you're, I don't know, you've had the uh, entire division locked up since January, Gerard Gallant. <laughs> like, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, do you, uh, Sammy Blay, are you a fan on uh, trying on the, on the front line? Like, I think that's one of the reasons they're putting Kako up there is because I think Mika and Kreider have not really gelled as well with the same play so far in tra- in practice. They're going to try different things to get that line going. Vince did tweet out his opinions of the Lions. Not that this matters. We've watched zero games whatsoever. But what are your takeaway on try- even trying Sammy Blay on the first line? I don't think it's bad to try anyone in any position to a certain extent. Like, when you get to the point where it's like, Ryan Reeves is playing on the first line. Like, okay. but That has happened a couple times, by the has. way. And he did um, score once. <laughs> he did. Anyone that's really like a top nine player, if they want to try mixing and matching it in training camp, like, so be it. Now's the time to do it. We all know it's not going to happen during the regular season. They're going to be locked in, and that's that. Unless anyone has evolved, which I tend not to hold my breath on things like that. Um, I mean, it's fine. I think the thing is, like, it's unfortunate he didn't get that time last year to kind of show what he can do because at his best in St. Louis, he's had, you know, good seasons. There's also been bad seasons and a lot of injuries along the way. Um, I think he's more fitting as a third liner. Again, not as an insult. I think a third line is very important. And when you, you know, a lot of teams want to have a line that compares to like Tampa Bay's third line, things like that. Like, I think that he is a player that can be a part of it with the right development direction things like that his game has to progress to a certain point um they tried it on the first line if it doesn't work then 
move on and try a different combination and give someone else a shot there because I think there are players with more offensive upside to go there. But if again, if they want more lineup balance, then it might make sense for him to be on the first and someone like Lafreniere a little bit lower. So there's that scoring punch on all three lines. Shayna, how seriously do we need to take Lieber Hayek's run here at an opening lineup, uh, opening night starting position? As Shayna, as your lawyer, you can refuse to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. I, you know what? I, I think I'm very well versed in hockey, and I think I'm very well versed in the Rangers. And the answers to anything with Lieber Hayek elude me. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, I watched him play with a very open mind because at the time he was acquired, it was, this is a huge part of the trade. He's going to have great upside and things like that. So, you know, you try to study that to understand that. I don't understand it. Um, unless something major has changed and his game has developed in a way that we didn't anticipate, which can happen. Players can be late bloomers without a doubt. And it's not like this is some 30 year old reinventing the wheel. Now he's still in his twenties. Um, sure. But do I see that happening? No. Shane, we, you're a sports fan. You're not just a hockey fan. I'm a sports fan, not just a hockey fan. The amount of time I've spent in my life trying to think of a situation that I can compare to Lieber Hayek's length of leash with the New York Rangers. Can you think of anything? Because I'm, I'm at wit's end trying to think of a comparison. I don't think I can from a player standpoint, no. Like, it's, it's definitely an odd one because it's not even like there's flashes of brilliance filled with bad things in between that you go, well, you know, we're all inherently biased. And our he's friends- not even releasing Shesty. It's, that's like- not what he's doing. <laughs> It just, it, it really doesn't make sense. There hasn't been much of anything that you, like, can grasp onto and go, I understand this. Like, Imagine it, if Lieber Hayek released Shesterkin. <laughs> like, I think I'd explode. <laughs> He's just like, hey, Reeves is off tonight, Libor. You take it. Like, what? <laughs> Where's the value? I don't see it, Shada. I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, it's okay, because you're right. I, I really don't. And, like, you know... It's unfortunate, you know, anytime it, 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 he's been the punching bag of the Rangers for a, for a long time for the public and, you know, to a point, rightfully so, even though it's more on everyone higher up than him, um, he should be put in a position to succeed and, I don't know, maybe working with skills coaches or stronger defensive coaches to figure something out. It just, it really doesn't make sense. And if he were to end up on that third pair, it would have literally no dimension, but I just, I want to say I can't see that happening, but, like, there it's are a looming. lot of things I would say I can't see happening, and then they do, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just wrong. Or maybe I'm right and someone else is wrong. Like, it, it could be either way, but um, I think that there are better options, you know, whether it's someone we can, like, a little more predictable like Jones or someone who's going to surprise. I just I, – the thing that makes Lieber so unique in my eyes is the entire fan base has moved beyond the point of blaming the player. Like – Take, for instance, the Mets currently, because that's my entire life. Darren Ruff sucks. Everyone's angry at the player. Everyone's upset with the player. Everyone's upset that he has to keep playing. Every Ranger fan is blaming anybody but Libor right now because it's just unfair to him. I've never seen that in my entire life. <laughs> we have forgiven him. It's like it's almost like, aw, Libor. The entire fan base is Robin Williams telling Matt Damon it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not. He, he should it's have been not. traded three years ago <laughs> or let go or DF, DFA'd anything. Didn't matter. 
None of it happened. It's it's one of the most unbelievable stories in sports. It is unprecedented, Gregory. It really is. I, I get, like I I need people to appreciate when we say that you are witnessing history. Not all history needs to be good, and not all history needs to be by definition truly historic. You will never see a Lieber Hayek situation ever again. So at some point, you have to take a step back and be like, <laughs> I'm witnessing something that will only happen once, and this is it. Like, Albert Pujols, I put it, home runs. I put it on the pool. Lieber Hayek. Yeah, like Lieber Hayek, <laughs> Lieber Hayek existing to me, more impressive than Aaron Judge possibly hitting 61 home runs. <laughs> it is actually more unprecedented. If you were to ask me, okay, seriously, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick here. Two years ago, you would have said to me, okay, Aaron Judge is going to hit 61 home runs and break the record in the AL. I'd be like, that's plausible. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I then said Lieber Hayek is still a New York Ranger. You'd be like, come on. Now There's no fucking ridiculous. chance. What are you talking about? There's no chance that happens. I'm rooting for him, though. Can I be honest? Like, He's someone that I – look, we love a comeback story. And it's not like this is a player that for some reason has been – it's not like this is a player who's a total asshole that we're all rooting against and is like, oh, God, he gets another chance. I yeah, know yeah. nothing about Lieber ha- Hayek except that he's a kayak. He keeps paddling and he's still around. That's it. It's accurate. But I, I'm rooting for him because I, I think it would be so – I think it would be so funny if he came out and crushed it and every fan had to, like, turn around and be like, I'm sorry I doubted you. Like, it would just be too funny. Like, that's – it's the underdog story that this team could use right now. Like, it would just be something funny because I think everybody knows since the Ryan McDonough trade, a huge trade, the Rangers captain, top defenseman, and the results were not great. The return was not great. And if, if, if Even something... if he became like a, a second pairing defenseman, I would like, yeah. I'd have to eat so, I'd have to eat a, a buffet a good of crow. Third pairing for defenseman. There's nothing wrong with that. He could be totally capable on the third pair. If there was something we were missing along the way and we could just figure it out, I want that answer right. that like it's like, oh, wow, they knew he was going to be good at X. And would you look at that? Like, uh, that would be great. You guys realize for a second here, now that you brought it up, of the four major assets the New York Rangers got for Ryan McDonough, Brett, Brett Howden's been traded. Vlad Mestikov yes. has been traded yep. and left as a free agent. And Niels Lundqvist has been traded. Lieber is the only thing left. That trade, <laughs> that trade tree is final with Lieber Hayek. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's, it's an abject disaster. Oh, I'm sad now. Sh- uh, Shana, just to, to get off the Lieber subject so we don't okay. talk on him too much. Uh, if Artemi Panarin is your most interesting player of camp, to you, what is the biggest question the Rangers need to answer before the start of the regular season? Hmm. The biggest question... I guess I think the biggest question is what their third line's going to be because who's on their third line? How much they trust in it is going to determine do they have depth scoring? Do they have depth? Are they going to be in the same position as they were last year where they have to trade for veterans because they're not going to play who they have on the third line? Do they have options if Panarin is going up against, you know, Jacob Slavin for 20 minutes a game and can't get past him and Kreider and Zibanejad are having a bad game? Is there... Someone to step up on that third line, like it's. I think that's the biggest question right now. Like, legitimately, like who is going to be on that third line, if not just the kids, and will they be trusted? Because the fourth line, it really, it really doesn't matter who plays there. Like, they're going to get seven, eight minutes a night, and between the personnel that they have, I think they'll be fine. I don't think this is like what we're talking about a couple years ago. Like, they have one of the worst fourth lines in the league. Like, I don't think it'll be like at that capacity. Reeves is going to play every night. 
So, I, he he could. That, that would I don't be mind something. it. There's there. I still think about that playoff game where he hit nine people and then couldn't skate the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think he's a. If he were like in every other game, I think at this point in his career, that might be a little bit more fitting to preserve his game. Um, I just wish he'd play like when it's when it's the Metro teams, people you're you, like obviously you want to win, but I also want to hit them kind of situations. That's right, that it. could totally make sense. Like there, I think that there's. I think teams need to embrace, like, the utility forward a little bit more, where they have that, like, 12th forward. Unless, like, your team is stacked and it doesn't fucking matter, like, you have your 12 and that's that. But, like... You're the Panthers, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you... Well, the Panthers of last year. Definitely yes. not this year. Um, If you had that person that you keep, like, rotating, like, oh, today we need a penalty kill specialist, and it's like, that's your 12th forward. Like, that would be so interesting to me, because you see that on defense more than you do offense. Like, oh, we're going to go with 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, and that 7th defenseman is a power play specialist who's barely going to play at even strength. Or it's someone who can play left and right side, so he can, you know, with the injuries we have, he can go wherever. It would be so interesting if we saw that on offense just a little bit more. Like, we're barely going to play this player, but we know that he's very good at face-offs because everybody prioritizes face-offs, right, wrong, or sideways. Or this is a player who we need to draw penalties, and we're going to count on him to do it because for some reason he gets hit in the face with the stick 20 times a night. Like, little things like that would be so interesting as your 12th forward, but, like... I'm probably getting ahead of myself with that, but I think that Reeves could be that. Well, what you're saying essentially, Shayna, is something we've griped about in different terms on this podcast quite often, where hockey's the only sport where these are my 12 forwards, these are my six defensemen, they're going to play every night. Baseball, how many times do you see bench players play a significant role in a season? They don't have to start every night to do that. In the NBA, stars get nights off, and it forces deeper benches. Like, you get the... Look at the Golden State Warriors, like Jonathan Kaminga, not a guy that needs to start every night, but if someone needed a break, Kaminga got to get more shine than he ever did before. Or, again, to echo back to the New York Mets, who, by the way, need to fucking beat the Marlins a couple times this week. Luis Guillorme, <laughs> he's good at very specific things. Buck Showalter asks him to do very specific things when someone like Eduardo Escobar or Jeff McNeil or Brandon Nimmo needs a day off. And it's just like with hockey – for the longest time. This isn't just the Gerard Gallant thing. I think it's important to say that. It's, it's just the entire sport. The coaches feel like, these are my 12 guys. I need to play them every night, and that's that. And I will only rotate a guy in if someone else is hurt. Whereas, like, is it the end of the world? I know that um, this is a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you directly because I'm pretty sure I know your answer. But, like, if Adam Fox plays 75 games instead of 82, how different is the New York Rangers season? The answer is probably not that different. The difference is he's fresher for the playoffs. And it's just odd that we still follow a sport that, for whatever reason, it's, no, these are my 12 guys. I need to play them every night. What are you talking about? Why would I rotate someone in? That means someone needs to come out, and that doesn't work in my brain. Right. No, like, you're right on that. In hockey, like, it barely happens. And I think if you're someone that's battling for a playoff position, you would make the argument that we need Adam Fox for those. You know, you're a coach. You're going to say, we need Adam Fox for those extra games. And you'd probably be right. But teams who are very good have to do that. And I think the Avalanche made a good example of this last year at the end of the year. They started resting players. Shocker. You know, of course, yeah. And they're one of the more modern teams. And it's funny because I think Jared Bednar has not been discussed as the good coach that he is because it's always been, well, look at the players that he has. And yes, he has great players, but look at how he's channeled those players. Look at the lineup balance he found. Look at the fact that they lost in the playoffs and he took every little detail that they lost because of they didn't have enough lineup versatility and they didn't have as many options. So if someone got hurt, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what combinations worked, and they legitimately went out 
to fix that this year, that they were like, okay, we're going to try Andre Burakovsky in this com- combination, and now we want to see what Val Nichushkin can do in the top six. And now Artari Lekkonen's getting a run on the top line. So when they needed the help, which they did at points when it was, um, if I remember right, it was Landis Kog and Nichushkin were one set of wingers, and then it was Ran- uh, Rantanen and Lekkonen. They switched centers. One got Kadri and one got McKinnon, and they flipped. And then when Kadri got hurt, they knew, okay, Rantanen can go to play center and Comfort can come up. They had all these backup plans that they just planned for in the last month of the season. Yes, they were so far ahead of everyone else that they had that luxury that the games didn't matter as much, but it was very smart to do. And I think that there's ways to do that along the way, even when you're battling for the playoffs to keep shaking things up. Maybe your game the night before was fine, but you could go, you know what, let's try this tweak and see if this kicks it up a notch. And if it doesn't, you turn it back. But you have to give it more than, I don't know, five minutes you know, to really run through and the resting the players thing like, oh, it's a back-to-back game and this player played 25 minutes last night and blocked six shots. They're going to get the night off, like things like that, embracing that a little bit more. And a lot of the players would probably say they'd rather play, but of course they do. You have to take that out of their hands. And that's what I think Colorado did. So now that they won a Stanley Cup, maybe everyone will look at Jared Bednar as the very smart and innovative coach that he is and start taking notes on how to replicate that because that's how it works in this league. And even though he might not be the hockeyest of hockey men, like someone a little more traditional, he's very smart and has a very good team. And, you know, they owe a lot of credit to him. So we'll see if that starts catching on. It won't. Uh, no, Shana, thank you so much. <laughs> Anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, oh, so Too Many Men is back. Nice. Yeah. Um, we are once a week until the season returns. Uh, and then when the season's back, we'll be twice a week. And I'm just going to be writing things, a little bit of everything. We have previews going right now at The Athletic. Um, fantasy hockey columns are up and running. We got Fantasy Trends and Hidden Gems. That's staying. And that'll be a Friday column. And then I just get to bounce around and do a little bit of everything. So... You know, read that. And if there are things you want to see written, like, about any team, and you have ideas and questions, like, just shout them out at me because I want to start looking at different things this season. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to get ideas sparked from other people like, oh, have you noticed this on this team and whatever. So putting that out there. All this while being hockey's number one insider. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Shana, I, got, I have two non-hockey questions for you before you go. One, your thoughts on Federer. And then two, does Aaron Judge do it? Because I know... In your household, I know where I know where the smart man is in your house, but I know you you have things to be worried about too. Um, I'm gonna say that Aaron Judge did not hit home runs because for some reason that not smart man decided to bet on him the other day, and I swear <laughs> to fucking god, anytime he roots for the Yankees, like they'll be like playing the Phillies or something, or he says that's gonna happen, it's like he curses them, and I'm like, can you not bring that aura near my team? Like, you know, he's doing it on purpose, right? It's like I like I do you know you're cursed? You must at this point. You're a Met and a Jet fan. Like <laughs> um so I do think Judge does it. Uh I think it happens against the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays have lost the passion because the Maple Leafs are back and the passion has, you know, shifted from team to team. So the Blue Jays are ripe for the picking. That's when it's going to happen. And on Roger Federer, I'm very sad. Uh I love him. He's my he's my favorite men's tennis player ever. Um, I love Rafa Nadal, too, and, you know, a lot of players coming up, like Alcaraz and Medvedev, you know, love to watch him, but Federer was my guy, um, and I really wanted to see him make one run at Wimbledon, like, I was really hoping, or even just one Grand Slam, uh, like Serena got her run, because I think it was so special, um, and she deserved every second of it, and I think he did, too, but it's super unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it seems like he's at peace with it, and it's nice we got to see him you know, have some fun and play doubles and get the appreciation he deserves. 
I, I will always be a Pete Sampras guy, but I will once again state that the funniest thing that happened or the most memorable thing that might have happened during Serena's final match besides the game itself was all of New York booing Ben Simmons. It was <laughs> immaculate. I didn't see – I've never seen a city come together like that before in my entire life. People, people helping people. Shanna, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right, it's the end of the show, so I want to remind you, before I thank all the other Patreons, that you could subscribe to Patreon for the whole year for 15% off at the start of the season. It's how we do things. You can get access to BSBOTs, Discord, and way more. But without further ado, I'm going to say a bunch of names, mispronounce a bunch of names, thank them personally for supporting the show, and welcome them back to hockey season myself. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Curtulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, CJ Haru, oh, CJ Haru, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagon, Conroy P. Damage, my apologies, Daniel DeZen, David Nair, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Randis, Give Gardner a Cup, Garrett, Garrett Gretzky P. Fly, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Hollis Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jamie Filipponi, Jerry Marquez, Marquez, JD, Jamie Mack, Jaron, JJ, JJ, Frankie, JJ, long day for Ryan Mead. Judd Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Freeman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Lasik Gronowski. That was one of the worst ones I've ever done. Lou Giordano, Matthew Kime, Meatball the Cat, Neil Grover, Nicholas Dinicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodra, Pro World of Tanks Gamer, Randy Tester, Stigble Box, Weingart, Thomas Walsh, Tommy Seclair, Thomas Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Turry from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin Vitti, Brocco, Vin Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. There's another game tomorrow, or today when you're listening to this, so we'll be back uh, with BSBOT later this week. Love you guys. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.